one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. All right, let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it, and so I can do it, and so it can change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things that has happened, and it's happened everywhere, is that um, people never got back to normal with church. The enemy really used the lockdowns when it comes to, to church. And people would go all sorts of places. They wouldn't stick to the lockdown things, except in church they would, because the devil confused Christians and got them to think that the most dangerous place in the world to be is church. You can go to checkers, no problem. You can go to hospital, no problem. You can go to so many different places, no problem. And the moment they open up sport, you can go to a sports event, no problem. But if you're going to go to church, you're going to get sick, you're going to go to ICU, and you're going to die. I want to tell you that you need to get to the life of faith that we spoke about the last two weeks with Esther, and we've been focusing on Romans chapter 12, verse 3. says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. Esther had to have faith to go to the king and to have a strategy to save her people from being killed because they had an enemy named Haman who wanted to kill them. And God has given us a strategy the way he gave Esther a strategy. He's given us a strategy. It is his vision. It is his purpose. And this is why I say it so many different times. Life class and destiny training is all about your purpose. It's why you're here. And we're going to be talking more about your purpose today. But I want you to realize this first and foremost. Today you need to let God's image define you. Tell the person next to you, say, let God's image define you. I don't know what image you've got of yourself, but the question I do want to ask you, is it accurate? And if you believe it's accurate, my question to you is, what is the test that you're applying to tell you whether the image you have of yourself is accurate in terms of what God created inside of you or not? So now here's the thing. You know, when you watch National Geographic or you watch the news sometimes or you watch different documentary channels, one of the things that you find is that they talk about this rock is 
75 million years old, and this fossil is 5 million years old, and this thing over there is 1 billion years old, and 13 billion years ago, um, everything exploded out of nothing, and now you've got everything, and, and, and oh yes, you can't believe that 6,000 or 7,000 years ago, God created everything, because some of the stars are so far away that it takes a million light years for the star to get you from the, the, the light from that star to get you, so therefore that can't be true. And, 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 and um, uh, oh yes, but, but, but some of the stars are like 20, 20 billion light years away, but even according to the theory of, um, you know, this whole Big Bang thing, it's only 13 billion years old, so how did the 20 billion year old light get here in the first place? They don't talk about that too much, you know what I'm saying? But the exact same argument that they say Genesis chapter 1 can't be true actually applies to the Big Bang. So when I have been listening to this now, um, in my younger days I was a computer programmer and uh, the question I always used to ask when they told me this thing is 4 million years old and that thing is 100 million years old, how do you know that your test is accurate? Because the only way that you can know that a test is accurate if you can measure it by another thing to confirm that this thing is accurate. Now, I'm not going to go into that today. That's not what I want to talk about. The exact same problem arises when you look at yourself and you're looking at your life and you're determining whether or not your image of yourself is accurate. And I want to tell you the only way that you can test whether your image is accurate is by the Word of God. And does your image line up with Genesis chapter 1, verse 26? God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image, making them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. You were made in the image of Almighty God. That's what that thing says. You were made in the image of Almighty God. Now, God is a triune God. God is a trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're made in the image of God, then you also have to be a triune being, just like God is. And you are a triune being. You have a soul, which is like the Father. The soul determines whether you're going to end up in heaven or hell. You have a spirit, which is like the Holy Spirit. And you have a body, which is like the Son. You're made in the image of Almighty God. And so I want to take a piece of Romans 12 verse 3, which we've been looking at the last few weeks, from the message which says, Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it is important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. So the first thing is that, you can go and look at any religion that is out there. It is all about you bringing the goodness to God. And God says, no, no, you cannot bring goodness to me because, you know, you, you are sinful. And at the end of the day, even the best things that you do are like filthy rags in my sight. So therefore, I had to send my son to die on the cross for you to wash all of your sin away. And only then can you begin to serve me. But you were created in my image. You were created to be like me. You were created to rule like me. And when your forefather Adam sinned, you lost everything. Your DNA was corrupted. 
And so here's the thing you need to understand. You were created in the image of God. You were created for a purpose by God. And you were created to be productive. You were created to produce something. You were created to be fruitful. Now, not many Christians today like to talk about fruitfulness. They like to talk about the grace. And I've just described grace whereby you you were utterly sinful, but God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you, and He washed your sin away with the blood. But there's something that comes thereafter, which we don't often like to talk about, and that's fruitfulness. And John chapter 15, verse 1 to 8, talks about fruitfulness. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And you know that um, in John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, 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 God, was with God, and the Word was God. And later on in John chapter 1, it says, And the Word became flesh. So in other words, when you're listening to Jesus, you're listening to God. And this is what God says. Through the mouth of Jesus. I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Okay, I want to read that again. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me yes i am the vine you are the branches those who remain in me and i in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing anyone who does not remain in me is okay this is bad anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burnt. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. In other words, if you want to bring glory to Jesus, if you want to bring glory to the Father, if you want to not grieve the Holy Spirit, He's saying you must produce much fruit. Oh, that sounds so religious. Well, then Jesus is religious. God requires fruit from us because that's how we were made. We were made to produce fruit. I mean, at the end of the day, I want you to think about why is one of the most powerful desires, uh, you know, behind um, the, the desire to survive, why is one of your most powerful desires to have sex? You think it's just to have fun. You think it's just to have some sweets or something. You were created to produce. So when the enemy comes and he wants to attack you and he wants to smash the purpose of God off your life, guess what? He attacks you in one of the places that you were created for, the place which is supposed to create fruitfulness. And he perverts it and he destroys it. God requires fruit from us. If you look at verse 2 and you look at verse 5, you see there that there are basically three levels of fruit. I'm not going to go into that today, but he talks about that you were created to produce fruit. You were created to produce more fruit. That's why you get pruned, to produce more fruit. And you were created to produce much fruit. And this is the important thing. God is a leader. God is 
the ultimate leader. And so what does God want from you? He wants you to become a leader who produces fruit. He, he wants you to be a leader. You were created to be a leader. And God desires fruit, but not just any kind of fruit. God desires from us fruit that will last. He grows us from no fruit to having fruit to having more fruit to having much fruit. From the second you get saved, God wants you to cooperate with Him. God wants you to work with Him because He wants to grow you to become ever more like Him every single day. And the more you become like Him, the more you'll enjoy your life and the more you'll have the the joy that Vicky spoke about earlier, the, 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 the joy that is your strength, the joy of the Lord that will take you through any circumstance. Now, when you look at this fruit and you study the Word, you find there's two kinds of fruit that the Lord wants from you. He, first of all, He wants the fruit of your character, and secondly, He wants the fruit of disciples, the fruit of the lost coming to know Jesus through you. And the fruit of disciples comes after the most important fruit. The most important fruit that God wants from you is the fruit of your character. And I want you to understand one of the things that we see in the church today is that many people chase after the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I want you to realize this today. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is far more important than the gifts. Jesus is not going to rate you by your gifts. He's going to rate you by your fruit. The fruit of your character is what you do when no one else sees you. I want to say that again. The fruit of your character is what you're doing when nobody else sees you. Making disciples is easy if we have the fruit of character. If we don't have the fruit of character, it's impossible. When we look at that passage that I've just read from John chapter 15, we see the Trinity right there. We see that Jesus is the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. We see that the vine dresser is the Father. In other words, the one that is looking at the vine, the one that is pruning the vine is the Father. And we see that the, 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 the nourishment within the vine is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And we should be reflected, we should be reflective, sorry, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And I want to tell you, I've told many Christians this, and many people have been offended with me over the years who are Christians, who believe they're on fire for Jesus and all sorts of stuff. And, and I say to them, you know, if you want to rate yourself, go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and it says, but the... Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those few words there, those nine concepts there, are a very strong and powerful indication of how close you really are to God and how like God you really are. Now imagine, and I would like you to do this afterwards, sometime today, 
go and put your name in the place. All right, so if I put my name in the place of the Holy Spirit, this is the fruit. So Gavin is love. Gavin is joy. Gavin is peace. Gavin is patience. Gavin is kindness. Gavin is goodness. Gavin is faithfulness. Gavin is gentleness. Gavin is self-control. There's no law against Gavin. Now, don't sit there and judge me. <laughs> Some of you are judging. Ah, don't judge me. You're supposed to put yourself there. Where I am with that is between me and God. You know, people often like to speak about pastors, and nowadays they even make YouTube videos about pastors and about what they teach and all of this thing. And I'm thinking, you know, you're a hypocrite. Stop making YouTube videos about the pastors. Half the people that are watching are not even believers. You're disobeying the Bible by doing that in the first place. Make a video and then send it to that pastor. You need to analyze yourself. And you need to analyze yourself because we live in a world that is selfish. And this is why we spoke about what we spoke about last week. And this is why I showed the video. If you, if you weren't here last week or if you didn't see the sermon, please go watch it. We showed a video called The Silent Scream, which came from the early 1980s when I was in school. And it shows exactly what an abortion is. And, and some people were upset. I don't want to see that. No, no, you need to see that. You, you know, we don't mind flashing up images of Hector Peterson and apartheid and, and, and Youth Day on June 16 and all of that kind of stuff. But, but let, let's see what this new South Africa is doing to our children, to our unborn babies. And, and people want to defend abortion and people don't want to look at videos about abortion because they are selfish. And I want you to understand when we are selfish and things don't turn out the way we expected them to turn out, we get offended. Offense is one of the signs that we're far from God. And we often try to mask the fact that we're spiritual. We often try to use spiritual excuses for saying certain things that actually go directly against what the Bible teaches and directly against the fruit of the Holy Spirit. God wants to deal with our fleshly nature. What happens is we sit in church, we have an atmosphere of faith, maybe we even one of those that raise our hands, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And all of that stuff's important, and we'll talk about why it's important next week. It is important that we do that. It is important that we come, and in a church service, we show the people around us that the zeal of the Lord is on the inside of us. But you know, if we show the zeal of the Lord while we're in church, and we go home, and we don't show the fruit of the Spirit, there's a problem. Is the fruit of self-control in your life when you're watching Netflix or some other thing? Self-control is all about learning to stop. It's all about learning to say no. And so the fruit of love is actually a summary of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to realize that the Bible says that God is love. And if you are like Him, love needs to define you. And the enemy is aiming to bring division within the church. Because wherever there is division, there is no love. And so, guess what He brings in? He brings into your life the ability and the opportunity to be offended. The opportunity not to forgive. 
I want to tell you the first thing that you can look at in terms of yourself. If you want to start looking at, do you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit? How easy do you get offended? And how easy or how hard do you find it to forgive? The enemy wants to divide us because he knows that a house that is divided will not prosper. The fruit of character is harder to obtain than to bring new believers. It's easier to start a cell group. Trust me, if you can't start a cell group, you will definitely not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because it's easier to start a cell group than to be changed and to, to be reflecting the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is something that is worthwhile having. Because at the end of the day, it is worth it because if you lose it, at the end you're still standing. So how do we produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Verse 5 of John 15 says, by remaining in Jesus. By making Jesus your everything. By making Jesus your focus. If, if you make Jesus your focus, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. And I mean, we don't need to talk about storms. Now, you know, years ago, we used to have to tell people, listen, storms are coming. Because only a few people had experienced storms. But in 2020 and 2021, I think just about everyone experienced a storm. The whole world experienced a storm. We don't have to tell people about storms now. We've got to tell people how to handle the storm. And here's the thing. Either we remain in Jesus or we're cut off from the vine. And if we're cut off from the vine, we burn. I want to also tell you that unless you're in the house of God, unless you're part of the gathering of the saints, you can't remain in Jesus. Because Jesus is building everything on His church and the church is the gathering. So how do we remain in Jesus? Number one, the words of Jesus must remain in us for us to be in Christ. If you go and you look in the Old Testament, you see in the time when the prophet Samuel rose up, in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, um, verse 3, we see that the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now we see that at this time, the word of the Lord was read. At the time when Samuel was a little boy, there were no other prophets. We see in 1 Samuel 3 verse 21, And the Lord con continued to appear at, at Shiloh, and there He revealed Himself to Samuel through His Word. Notice what the Bible says. The Lord revealed Himself to Samuel through His Word. Today, we could have said, and the Lord revealed Himself to whatever your name is through His Word, through the Bible. Now, we're not living in the days of Samuel. I want you to think about the Bible. I want you to think about how much access we have to the Bible today. I want you to think, there my bag, I've got a big, thick Bible. If I'm holding that big, thick Bible, some of you have heard me say this before, I'm holding a piece of physical heaven in my hands. It's the only physical place where I can touch heaven in this life. The rest I can only touch it in the spiritual realm. But we have so much access to the Bible today. 
Yet, what we do not think is how many people actually gave their lives in order for us to have this access to the Word today. Do you know, even today, there are places in the world where if you, if you, if you caught with a Bible, it's a death sentence. People give their lives for what we have today. And therefore... How seriously are you taking the Bible? How, how quick are you to access it? And when you need to make a decision in life, I want to encourage you today, make sure that you go to the Word. Make sure that you go to the Word. You know, when you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden uh, the, something jumps out at you from whatever you're reading, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And He's, begin, he's, he's busy sowing faith into your heart. He's busy sowing faith into your life. And, and I want you to realize... That if you're not basing your decisions on the Bible, you're basing them on your emotions. And I don't care how logical you think you are. And your emotions are tricky because they lie to you. If you're basing your decisions on what you feel, you're going to make the wrong decision. So the thing is, if we follow the word, sometimes it's going to take us longer to get there. But we'll get there, and when it gets there, it will be sustainable. So that first thing there is, the words of Jesus must remain in us to be in Christ. And the second thing is obey His voice. When you remain in Jesus, He takes care of the details. He takes care of your career. He takes care of your marriage. He takes care of your job. He takes care on decisions on where to live and all of that sort of thing. And we cannot bear fruit if we're not holding on to his words. In John 15, verse 2 to 3, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I give you. Even when you're in the right place, even when you're obeying his word, he prunes us. He chops some things off. Now, 1 Timothy 5 verse 20 talks about what happens when we're sinning. It says this, Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to the others. So imagine now, Musa, if I called you up and I said, You know, Musa, that sin that you're doing, and I reprimand you here in front of the whole church. That's what the Bible just said there. What would happen, Musa? I'd be shot the next morning, I'm sure. Because our view is so far removed from the Bible, because although we have so much access to the Bible, we don't read the Bible. But what happens, what happens when we are doing the right thing? What happens when we are living according to Jesus? Titus 1 verse 13, this is true. So reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. The person who's on the right track should be being reprimanded in the church. And that is the punishment they face. That's all they face. They don't need to face death. They don't need to face all of these disastrous things. Rebuke is for those who are in sin, but pruning is different. When you're being pruned, God is dealing with you personally. He's growing you. 
He's taking you to your destiny. And pruning is there because God wants to take you to a new level. A new level of fruitfulness. Pruning is... God takes sometimes what is good away from you to give you the best. The Bible warns us not to be offended with the pruning. Because God knows what He's doing. What are the benefits we receive when God prunes us? There's four things from this passage. First of all, in verse 7, we get our prayers answered. You know... Before you become fruitful, you pray for what you want. And then, you know what everyone says? Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says maybe. Sometimes God says no. That's truck. The Bible only promises God will answer your prayers if you pray what He wants. And you're only going to know what He wants if Christ is in you, if you're in Christ and you know what God's will is. And then every time you pray... You're praying the will of God, and God is not schizophrenic. God is not bipolar. If you come to ask and you ask God to do what He wants to do, He's not going to say no. You know what I mean, Luando? He's going to say no, Luando, just because I want to stuff Luando around and check Gabriel. <laughs> Luando thought I was going to answer that prayer because it's my will and because the, the Bible says so. But look at how he's confused. <laughs> He's playing a practical joke on you. He's not going to do that. that. That's not God. When God's not answering our prayer, we're not in Christ. We don't know what the Lord wants. Number two, so we get our prayers answered, number one. Number two, the Father is glorified through the fruit in verse eight. And what, what, is, what does that mean? God takes you to places of influence. But He only puts you in places of influence once you've been processed. Once he can trust you. Number three, we remain in God's love. That's in verse nine. We actually remain in the love of God. And being in God's love is our safe place. There's no better place that you can be than in the love of God. And um, we know we're in the safe place of God when we're in it. Doesn't matter what we're going through, we know we're in the safe place when we're in it. And his love will remain with you all the days of your life. Doesn't matter what the challenges are. Doesn't matter if the battery on your mic goes out. Amen. For some reason, some of you needed to see me with a mic here this morning. Who knows why? But God will even work a flat battery for good for those who love Him. Amen. And if you believe that, I want you to give Jesus the biggest shout of praise right now. Amen. Because there's a lot of challenges in the world today. There's a lot of challenges in the world today. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the king over every single challenge. And you will know this and you will experience it. And the fourth thing that we get is that we get double joy. First of all, we get joy. And secondly, Jesus has joy. Double joy. Jesus rejoices when we reach the destiny that he has for us. And the destiny that Jesus has for us is the Father. He, he wants us to, to be able to speak to the Father, cry out, Abba, Father, in the name of Jesus. That you know God is your daddy. This is, this is the, the ultimate aim of the fruit of God in your life. And um, 
if you look at the ministry of Jesus, you look at the Bible, you look at everything, you look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, everything's always been about the Father. Everything always revolves around the Father. His joy is complete when our joy is complete. Remain in Jesus. Let His words remain in you and you will see glorious things. I want you to realize this. Some of you I know when we talk about the vision and we talk about running a cell group, you think, yo, yo. You know, pastor, that was good, but now you've just messed the whole thing up. That's what some of you think. What I want you to understand, that's just one little aspect, and you've got to have this fruit before you can even do that. And the thing is, you can have it quickly. Your life can change quickly. And I want to ask you this question before I finish. The question is this, okay, if you don't step up into the place of influence that God wants to give you, who's going to? And what if that person is evil? And more than likely, if you don't step into the place of influence that God wants you to have, the person who steps in more than likely will be evil. And then what? I want to tell you, I don't care which political party they're from, but if you look at the people in our parliament, or you look at the people on top of the pile when it comes to business, or you look at those who are running our legal system. Many of them are evil. And the only reason that's happening, it's our fault. Because we haven't stepped into the place that we should have been. I want you to realize that today. Sitting in this room is the power to change this nation. And it's also, I mean, how many of you will really be upset? If you speak and a whole lot of people listen to you and actually change the decision for their whole life based on what you said <laughs> I don't think anyone here will think that's bad and that's what God desires for you. that's what he desires for your life that's his purpose for you that's a good purpose But I want to just finish off with this. Sometimes some people get confused with the vision because the first thing you have to realize is that you can do nothing for God unless you have a revelation of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just speak about that this morning from one aspect. First of all, from 2 Timothy 2 verse 11 to 13. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we'll also live with him. So if we die to ourselves with Jesus, we will live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. The reason why the encounter weekend is so important, why I always talk about it, is because until you get that last sentence, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. What does that mean? I don't know if you've ever sat down and thought about what does that actually mean? Until you get that, 
you will never get any of the Bible. Even if we are unfaithful, He remains faithful for He cannot deny who He is. What is the first fruit of a new believer's life? In Hebrews 8 verse 12, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Now just think about that for a second. I will forgive their wickedness and I will never remember their sins. I was speaking to someone before the service. And um, <laughs> and I was saying to them, you know, how do you forgive someone? Yeah, you forgive them, you let it go, but you remember what they did. Yeah. Maybe you say things like I've said. Um, yeah, now I've forgiven them. I'll never work with them again. Never. No ways. Now, once you've broken trust, that's it. It's over. You know, many of you think God's like that. And you insult Him. But by thinking that and believing that, you actually insult Him. Because it says, first of all, He says, I will forgive your wickedness. It doesn't say what wickedness. It's whatever wickedness you have. Whatever you've done, whatever, whatever issue you're sitting here with that is on your conscience, whatever is in your memory, whatever's in your mind, whatever the devil keeps beating you over your head with, God says, I will forgive your wickedness. He doesn't say which kind of wickedness. He says, I will forgive your wickedness. And then he says, and I will never again remember their sins. Now, the first thing I want to say about this, please. This is not a license to sin. It doesn't mean I can go out and sin because eh, God's not going to remember. No, no, no. no. That, that's not what this is saying. That, that's a subject for another day. But, but what I'm saying is for the person that has genuinely come before the Lord, he, ha- he, he remembers your sin no more. That, that is the first fruit of the gospel. So, so, so what that means is he, he forgives your sin. He no longer remembers your sin. And now what do you do? You take your sin to him. I'm so broken, Lord. I remember that thing. I have so much regret, Lord. For some people, that regret is a past broken, messed up marriage and they can never fix it. For some, they did something, someone died. For some, they did something and a company collapsed. For some, they did something and maybe they even murdered someone. They pulled the trigger. But you gave your life to Jesus the blood washed the sin away. You now come to God, Lord, I'm so sorry I did that thing. And God's confused. He's looking in the record. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a record of that. It's gone. You're beating yourself up over your past and God's looking at you saying, but you're beating yourself up over something someone else did. You're confusing me, and it's hard to confuse God, but you're getting it right. Jesus wants you to have the first fruit. Complete forgiveness of your past, which means God (laughs) doesn't know that you did that. That's how much is cancelled. That's how much you're forgiven. And until you know that, and until you accept that, You will never be what God wants you to be. Never. You will never be fruitful like He wants you to be fruitful. It starts there. 
this is why there's nothing as important that we do as a cell as a church service and the encounter because until you know this until you understand the blood of jesus until you understand the power of the blood of jesus to completely and utterly destroy your sin you can't go anywhere that understanding and that revelation comes before having the fruit of the holy spirit and having the fruit of disciples having the fruit of character and having the fruit of disciples so i want to finish off and speak to you about this and i'm going to ask the worship team if they can come up quick and i want you just to focus on me as they come up and i want you to think about jesus i want you to think about him right now think about jesus think about what he's done for you are you in the position whereby you actually have a revelation inside of your your soul that your sin is forgotten by god that you're actually it's almost like you're a nutcase you're like one of those insane people reminding god of stuff that never actually happened because the event was cancelled by the blood of jesus
crucified. 